Everlasting Father, Son, and Spirit, we exalt you, we praise you, and we humbly come before you with adoration this morning. In this Christmas season of distractions and gift buying, thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are the giver of every good and perfect gift, including the gift of your very self. So what do we have that's worthy to give back to you, Lord of Lords and Kings of Kings? All we have and can offer you as a contrite spirit, thankful hearts, our love, and our obedience. So receive our humble offering and praise this morning. Let's give a moment and give thanks to your Heavenly Father for what's on your heart this morning. Jesus, you came to earth so that the invisible would be visible. You lived here so that we could find our way to the Father. Thank you for the gift of your life, your death, your resurrection. You courageously and self-sacrificially went to the cross for the joy set before you. You went for us. So release in us a fresh understanding of the absolute and astounding miracle of your incarnation, that we may find joy in you and allow ourselves to be radically shaped by you. Lord, in your mercy. And Lord Jesus, master of light and darkness, we pray for our world. You, Jesus, are the hope of this world. We know that you came to earth in the past. We know that you come to us now in the present through your spirit. And we stand firm in our faith for the coming of your kingdom on earth. So we pray that the light, hope, and life that only you can bring will be breaking through in all the places of darkness in the world, in areas of war, oppression, trafficking, human rights violations, justice, and even here in our own country where cultural changes are trying to extinguish the light of faith. And Father, I ask that you would not have us only pray for the world, but be your agents of peace and hope in our own places of influence. Lord, in your mercy, we hold up to you, wonderful counselor, this church. It's yours, and we ask that you would be the guiding light here at NSA. We pray especially as we prepare for the North Shore Community Christmas dinner this Saturday, that it would bring you glory and honor in every aspect of this event. Thank you for the over 200 volunteers that have signed up to help in this outreach and for the vision and passion that we have to reach out. May your Holy Spirit be over the preparations, the team, the logistics, and may every guest feel seen, loved, and valued. May we love others simply from the love that we've received from you, Lord Jesus. To you, mighty God and wonderful counselor, we pray for those in our church family who need to experience you now in real time as protector, provider, comforter, defender. Thank you that you promised to be close as close with us through our challenge and suffering. You don't always change the circumstance, but you are with us in it. And so we whose hearts are heavy seek the joy of your presence. And I sense that there's someone here today who especially needs to be encouraged. Encouraged that they don't need to hold it all together because in you, Jesus, all things are held together. So we boldly come before your throne in humble trust with our needs, our concerns, our heartaches, 
confident that you hear our prayers. And we pray for name, by name for Reese and Don, Dana, Elaine, Pastor Ebenezer, Patrick, Doug, David, Sonia, Al, Dale, and Sarah. And I'm specifically burdened to pray for those of us in this Christmas season who are struggling financially, who have lost jobs recently, and for those who have broken family relationships. Come, Lord Jesus, our Prince of Peace, and meet our needs. And I invite you not only to pause and hold someone up in your heart to the Lord, but also to take a moment and tell God of your own need and the way you need God to be revealing himself to you today. And Lord, we're thrilled to have Bronwyn bringing our message to you this morning. Thank you for the years that she served on our staff team, for her passion and love for you, for her creativity, and that Bronwyn is someone who exudes joyful confidence in you as the lover of her soul. May each one of us listen well with openness and eagerness for the particular truth, conviction, or nugget that you want us to receive this morning. You, everlasting Father, are the giver of good gifts. Amen. I just have a few announcements before Bronwyn comes. Uh, I just wanted to highlight that um, this Thursday we have the last of our um, gathering for praying for the church. Um, so if you are free and want to come out and join us, we'll be doing that from 7 to 8 uh, in the corner office. That'll be the last one for this year and we'll resume again in January. The um, sanctuary course I wanted to highlight as well, that's going to be starting January 15th. This is an amazing course on mental health, and it's for um, so that our church will break down stigmas and um, barriers to understanding mental health. We want to be a church that embraces that, walks well with people. Um, so it's an opportunity to come and learn more, or if you're struggling with mental health, to come, or if you're a care supporter, caregiver for someone who's struggling with mental health, please feel free to sign up for that. Um, and if you haven't done your Christmas baking yet, or you want to save yourself some time next Sunday um, after the services, Kim and Brendan Val will be holding a bake sale to raise some support for Project Samuel. So um, please come and generously support that and save yourself some time in baking. And last, just our Christmas Eve services are coming up. Just want to highlight that our services will be at 4, 5.30, and 7 p.m. We won't be having Sunday morning services, just to make sure that you're clear on that. Um, and this is a time when sometimes it's the only time that people come to church or a really great opportunity to invite friends and family. So we do have some invitations made up. They're outside on the welcome desk or at the um, table as you leave the church. So feel free to grab one of those and pass that along. We want to welcome everybody to come on Christmas Eve. Sound good? Okay, now it's our pleasure to have Bronwyn back. Welcome back, Bronwyn. Well, it's definitely my pleasure to be back. And when I walked into the building and saw everything looking so beautiful, it was exciting. The word of God goes on and on and on. The power and love of God never changes. And that's why we're here today. And I have to say, is it just because it's Christmas? Or is it just because I missed you? 
Thank you. My question is, or are you looking better than ever? I think you're looking better than ever. Good answer. It's great to see you all and to be part of this service. And I hope you've come here hungry. You see the bread in front of you. You know we have the word to feast upon. Prayer, worship. This is a service for us to become full. Full of the presence of the everlasting Father. Amazing that he called us here today. So I'm glad we are here. Here's something you should know. In scripture, there are two fathers. The ever-lying father and the everlasting father. And which one you're connected to determines the pattern and the path of your life. If you want your life to last, connect to the everlasting father, and you'll have a blast. You like my rhyme? If your life is full of lies, Tell the ever-lying father, lie down, I'm going to rise. Can you say that with me? Lie down, I'm going to rise. That's what we have to say. We connect to the everlasting father, and we dismiss the ever-lying father. Your life will be a blast. Sometimes it'll feel like an explosion, but it will be a blast in a very good way when you get rid of the lies and connect to the everlasting Father. So today I hope that we're going to go deeper and further and closer to him. Now you might think I made that up about the ever-lying Father in Scripture, but I didn't. I got it from Jesus, in fact, so there couldn't be a better author People were arguing with Jesus when he was here on earth because he said, if you follow my truth, you'll be free. In other words, you'll have a blast. And they responded, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves. So how can you say we need to be set free? And Jesus replied, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. But you are looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth from the beginning, the truth from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are unable to hear what I say because you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is in the Bible. He's the ever-lying father. Jesus said, I am telling you the truth. Why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. 
the reason you do not hear is because you do not belong to God. You're not connected to the everlasting Father. It's that serious. Who you're connected to is very serious. There are two fathers, an ever-lying father and an everlasting father. The one you're connected to determines the pattern and the path of your life. There was a best-selling book that some of you might have read, some of you might know about. It was called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Any of you seen that book or, yeah, you've read it? Yes, lots of you, yeah. Maybe you're really rich as a result. I'm hoping, I'm hoping. One dad in the book was normal, successful, did all the regular things that everybody in the world says you should do to get ahead. And the other dad looked poor, but he actually had immense wealth. The guy who did all the routine things that the lying thought of this world says, work harder, do better, put yourself forward, be righteous in every possible way, ended up poor with a miserable and empty life. This is not to say you shouldn't work hard, but this is to say you shouldn't just do it. You should find the passion of your heart that your heavenly father who made you in his image connected you to have and live into that. And then, even if you live in a small house, which the genuinely rich dad did, your life will be full and you don't care about the outward trappings. You care that your life is fulfilled. What are we doing through the season of Advent? We're getting ready. We're getting ready for the coming when the manger will not be empty, when our hearts will be full. And today we're going to look at scripture that shows Jesus is the everlasting father that we're getting ready for. We're going to see what that means, and I hope by the end everyone here will say, I don't want to be connected to the ever-lying father anymore following routine ways, not listening to my heavenly Father. I want to be connected to the everlasting Father, so help me God. So, we want to see what it means to disconnect and what it means to connect, and Isaiah is the passage that we're carrying on. Isaiah 9. We can see it on the screen. You can get it out on your Bibles, either the ones in front of you. You can get out, I think you have Bibles in front of you, or on your phones. Isaiah is almost right in the middle of the Bible. And while you're turning there, let me tell you something interesting. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were hidden in the desert about 2,000 years ago at the time of Christ, and were found 2,000 years later, in the desert by the Dead Sea, of all of the sacred writings that were there, the one scroll that was completely intact was the scroll of Isaiah. Such an important, such a big scroll, and it was intact. It was preserved. You can see a full copy of it when you go to Jerusalem, and God willing, one day, that country will be free, will be open, there will be peace between neighbors once more. And it will happen if they follow what Isaiah says. 
The other thing about that book of Isaiah is this. When I talk with my secular Jewish friends, sometimes they say, we tend to avoid Isaiah because he's too messianic and we don't really understand him. Now, to me, those two reasons give me every reason to look at Isaiah. God preserved the scroll and it's very messianic. So that's where we're diving in today. Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. There will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Anyone heard of Galilee? Anyone heard of the Sea of Galilee? Anyone heard of the way beside the Sea of Galilee where Jesus did all of his miracles and healed so many people and taught so many messages? You've heard about it. This is the only time in the Old Testament that Galilee is mentioned here in Isaiah, in the Messianic teaching. I'm carrying on here. The people walking in darkness have, read this with me, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nations and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Isaiah is writing to a people who live far away in Babylonian exile. But from a distance, they see a light. It's a distance of place and a distance of time. It's a great distance. But the light is shining. And it cannot be dimmed. In thy dark street shineth the everlasting light, says the Christmas carol. Now we carry on. As in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, for fuel for the fire. In other words, war will be no more. Why? Let's say this one together. For to us... A child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with righteousness and justice from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's a big promise. It's a big plan. And it's a big presence and person in tiny human form. That's the answer. But what does it mean, everlasting father? When Jesus was born, the world was well established. Kingdoms had come and gone. Empires and rulers had taken their place. Philosophies had risen. Mythologies were being debunked. Theology was getting scrambled and mixed up. And it sounds kind of like our day, doesn't it? 
All of that's happening in our day. There's so much stuff out there, from Oprah to Jordan Peterson, from the Dalai Lama to Donald Trump, from Instagram or TikTok stars or online preachers or video game masters or your favorite rapper or your beloved grandmother. What's the last piece of influential language you heard? And did you buy it, literally? There's so much out there that is for sale. From clothes to candy to colleges, we are told, buy this, try this, and you'll have a better life. But we need to connect to what, Father? The everlasting Father. Now, let's be clear about this. When we say Jesus was the everlasting Father, we're not saying he was God the Father. We're not dropping the Trinity this Sunday in our church. Happy to say. Jesus, in a way, was nicknamed Everlasting Father. Isaiah says his name shall be called Everlasting Father, almost like Herodotus was nicknamed Father of History because he was the one who first started writing systematic history. And so after him, people started doing it, so he was the Father of History. Jesus, in his role, was so much more. Everlasting Father, he's the one that opened the gates for everlasting life, and everyone else can follow him into everlasting life. So he's the everlasting father. He unlocked the doors and said, follow me. But everlasting father means more than that. John uses Greek language to frame it in John chapter 1. Everlasting father, what a good thing he came when Greek was already on the scene. And so that could help us to understand with a blend of Greek ideology and Hebrew ancient wisdom. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. We heard that in Isaiah. He was in the beginning. He is everlasting. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the Greek word here is logos. You know that word. Logos means word, word and logos. Logos was a principle of order and knowledge that underlies the cosmos, a force of reason governing the universe. The divine rational principle that permeates and orders the cosmos, providing structure and purpose to everything. Isn't that an amazing description of the word. This is not some tiny little baby that suddenly appeared. This is an everlasting father. The Gospel of John, by using the term logos, bridges Greek thought with Judeo-Christian theology. He takes a concept familiar to Greco-Roman world and fills it with new meaning, saying that the eternal, 
divine logos is not just a cosmic principle, but a personal entity, Jesus Christ. That's huge. The logos in John's gospel is not an abstract force, but a conscious, intentional person who brings light and life and truth into the world from all infinity. So if Jesus was Logos, then he permeates and orders the cosmos, providing structure and purpose. He was eternal. He was also personal. Isn't that an everlasting father that we want to trust? Not someone that comes and goes with the next screen that you scroll on your phone, telling you what to see and what to think. He was eternal, and he comes to abide with us. His nurturing and caring attributes align with the divine order of all things, for he cares for his creation, and he knows it so well, and he can lead in what is best. And then John says a radical thing. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be complete. So what is it that we really, really want? You know the old kid's Christmas song? All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. I remember when my kids had no front teeth and they tried singing that. It's cute. And the grown-up Christmas prayer, have you heard that one this year yet? It says this, no more lives torn apart, that wars would never start and time would heal all hearts. Everyone would have a friend and right would always win and love would never end. This is my grown-up Christmas list. I think it's similar to all of ours as we look around our world. Thank you, Anne, for praying for our world and for our community. Sometimes do you feel like you're walking in darkness, stumbling and tripping over words and worries? Sometimes do you feel like you don't have the wisdom to know which step to take next? Remember what Isaiah said. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On them, the light has shone. And the light is Christ, the everlasting Father. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the light? Or are you looking at some shiny thing? It makes all the difference. If your life is full of grace and truth, then you're on the right track. And if your life is full of lies and fear, then you're in the right place. And this is a good day for us all. We have deep needs as human beings, but we don't know how to answer them. 
And the Bible tells us that we won't know. In Revelation, John is told, look at the Lion of Judah. And when he looks, he sees a lamb. Is that the lion? And the lamb is slain, but it's standing. That's a paradox. God has mysteries to reveal to us. And today, when we look for the everlasting father, we see a baby lying in a manger. And we say, what? But God knows how to teach us to grow in grace and truth. It's grace. It's not all glitter. It's deep and wise. The everlasting Father says, follow me. See what I do and do that. And this is what will result. Because you know what? He made us. He loves us. And this is what he gives us. What we really, really want. Security. Scripture says, the eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemies before you, saying, destroy them. Security. My God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We want security. He'll give us significance. He says, I know you. I know what's good for you. He told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. What does God have for you? What does he want for you? Whatever it is, he gives you strength. He said to me, my grace is enough for you. My strength is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I gladly boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ, the everlasting Father, may rest upon you, upon me. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him. Let's read the last one together. Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord is everlasting strength. That's what we want, isn't it? And then he gives us sweetness, the sweetness of his presence. In the story of the prodigal son, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him. Don't we need that in our lives when we know we failed? The sweetness of forgiveness. And we become sweet too. Ask your neighbor if they'd be happy for that. Finally, he gives us surprise. Life becomes not so routine and mundane. It becomes a blast. The Lord said to Samuel when Samuel went to anoint a king, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, for the Lord sees not as people see. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Surprise. You're not what you thought. You may be a king. Amazing. And Mary. We come to her verse because really we see so much of this in her life as she received the everlasting father. She said, how shall this be? 
It's an enormous surprise. May your word to me be fulfilled. And today, I hope that's what we will say. We need to choose who you will serve. Will you serve the gods of your fathers and forefathers and mothers and the gods of the books you read or Instagram or whoever is speaking to you? Will you serve the gods of the land in which you live? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can we say that, church? Let's say that last line together. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May it be true. Let us pray and let's delight ourselves in the Lord. I have this final verse up on the screen. And it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I learned this interesting thing. Delight means the light comes from there. So get your light from the Lord. And desire has the word sire in it, like father. He will give you, he will father your desires, and then he will fulfill your desires. Father, everlasting father, shining to us in the person of the Lord Jesus, shine in our hearts, and may we give ourselves to you in a whole new way this Advent season. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Amen. In two minutes, we're going to come to his table and say, yes, I receive you. I connect with you. But before that, there's a story to be told to remember why we need him. Simon recorded a video, and we get to watch it. Let's watch together. When I was young, my father died in tragic circumstances. My grief turned to anger, and the object of my pain was directed at God in my misunderstanding I saw him as punishing, believing that I was not good enough for his love and care. The story of the prodigal son feels like my story. I left his presence. My faith became weak and secularized. I spent 40 years trying to fill the emptiness inside of me by material means. I found that the more I achieved, the more worldly power I had, the more I needed to fill a growing lack of identity, purpose, peace, joy and love. Finally, after 40 years of wandering in the material desert, I felt a conviction in my heart to return home, to reconcile with my Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ, to seek fulfillment in truth and in His presence. And like the prodigal son, my Heavenly Father was there. In truth, He had never left, and in forgiveness that surpasses all understanding, He welcomed me back into His family, His kingdom. God, everlasting Father, reminds us how Jesus is a loving Father, a Father who is always there for now and eternity.